ever wonder where we come from or how we got here? Or better than that, why do we exist? When I read about the James Webb Telescope and the new numbers of possible galaxies and stars in the hundreds of billions, it makes me ask those questions. And you wonder, is there an answer? Well, I have good news for you. There is an unimpeachable source about who we are and why we exist and how we got here. And it begins in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the end of that chapter talks about the creation of humankind's and we are created in the image of God. Let's look today at who we are and how we got here. Our scripture is Genesis chapter one, uh, the, the fabulous, beautiful words of God's creation. And we're only going to look at six or seven verses, but I hope that you will go back and read again Genesis chapter 1 and then read Genesis chapter 2, which we will look at next week. Because all of this answers the question, who are we and why are we here and how do we fit in all of this? Listen to the words of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And you know that there is a series of six days there in which God creates and there is a formula that is followed. It was evening and it was morning because that's the way the Hebrews counted a day, the evening first and then the morning. It was the first day. And each day God looked over what he had created and he said, it is good. And it is good means it's just the way I wanted it to be. And at the end he says it was very good. Everything in creation coincided with his desire. But the height of creation, the zenith of creation, the, the ultimate of creation was found when human beings were create, created. Look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and over the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then verse 29, 
says something I've never seen before. It's amazing. God speaks directly to human beings. Here's what he says to us. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And verse 31 kind of summarizes it all. God saw all that he he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. I saw a lot of kids who walked in this morning. I was out in the hallway, and a lot of boys and girls, a lot of young people who are here, and it always thrills my heart to see you. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever, said, have you ever asked your parents Maybe you have brothers and sisters. Have you ever asked your parents, which one do you love the most? You know when you do that, you put your parents in a real quandary, don't you? And most of the time, they answer in very wise ways. I love each of you in your own way. But sometimes you take it a step farther. And maybe you put your hands on your hips and you say, you love her more than you love me. And that makes it more difficult for your parents. And sometimes a wise parent would say, if you would behave a little differently, you would think I love you a little more. Do you know why you think that way? Do you know why you ask? those questions? Because within every one of us, there is a need to know who we are and why we were created and how we fit in our family and in other human beings and in the whole universe. We're all that way. We all want to know those kinds of things. Three or four years ago, I was fascinated to learn things about my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather died just before I was born. I wish I had known him. I remember my dad showing me pictures of him and of his, of his who were his grandparents. And you know what? When, they, when he showed me those things... They didn't mean as much to me as they would mean today. I wish that he were here to show me again and I could ask questions. So I was going through some kind of social media, looking up a distant cousin, and I read about my great-grandfather. You want to be, I am shocked and amazed, so you can think whatever you want to think about that. But amazing to me, my great-grandfather, my grandfather, who I did know and knew very well, lived in the same town with him, 
He died when he was 52 years old in 1958. I was about nine years old. It was February. My mom and dad took me out of class. It was back in the day when you could sit in the middle of the front seat of an automobile. My dad was driving. My mom was over here. They were close to me, and they told me about my grandfather dying. And I cried, and I cried. So I read this cousin who was talking about, it was an older cousin, somebody she knew. And I found out my grandfather, who was born in 1905, died in 1958, that his parents lived in Russell County, Alabama, East Coast, near Auburn, near Columbus, Georgia, that part of the state of Alabama. My dad had cousins in Phoenix City, Alabama, Russell County. And he was, so my great, my grandfather was the 12th and last child of that family. He was born when his father was 45 years old. His father was born in 1860. So here I am, four generations. Everybody says they're about 40 years each, and that's about what it is, about 40 years each, four generations, and I can go back to before the Civil War. I was fascinated with that because I want to know who am I and how do I fit in and where do I count in all of this world? That's what every one of us wants to know, from the youngest child to the oldest adult. We want to know, how do we fit in? And isn't it amazing, the first words of Holy Scripture are who we are and how we got here and how we fit in. The very first words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it tells us how we got here. And it's an interesting thing about how all of this is put together. Because when you read through Genesis chapter 1, you read the things that happened before any scientist can imagine. There is no scientist who can take you back to this part of the creation. We certainly, we have wonderful scientists who can look back and, and conjecture and hypothesize and wonder about how everything is brought into being, but nobody can go back to this point. But God gives it to us, and he tells us who we are. And boys and girls, I started with you because I cannot think of anything more urgent for you to know than how you got here and how you fit into the world. I think of all the things that you're going to need for the rest of your life that you need to know these things. And so I hope you'll listen carefully to the sermon, not my words, but the words of God, what God is saying to us through his word and what he wants us to know. So I want to give you five things that he wants you to know. The first one is this. We are a part of God's wonderful creation. Now, it's great to live in this time because we do have 
the James Webb telescope, which is exponentially greater than the Hubble telescope. And so we're seeing things out in space that are mind-boggling, hard to imagine, hard to understand. When people talk about a hundred billion galaxies, a hundred billion stars, obviously they haven't counted, and they don't know, but they're making suggestions and theorizing about all of these kind of things. But we are a part of this. We are a part of something big and amazing. We are part of something that only God could do. In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now remember, you have the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament telling us what God did when he revealed his son to us. About 270 chapters. And the Old Testament telling how God revealed himself before the coming of Jesus. And there are almost a thousand chapters in the Old Testament. And in those 1,000 chapters, the word create is only used with one person as its subject. In other words, people form things, they mold things, they design things, they paint things, they craft things. But in the, all of those 1,000 chapters in the Old Testament, only God creates. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then God starts speaking things into existence. And it is beautiful. And when we think about this world that he created, it is truly amazing. I love Psalm 19.1. The heavens declared the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. I think about that verse every time I drive across the lake early in the morning. Now, it's very likely that you weren't happy getting up that time of the morning and driving across the lake. But when you get in the middle of the lake, and at this time of the year, it's just a little after 6 o'clock, and to your left, in the east, the sun is coming up, and you can see it in a way that is different than most any other place where we live or where anybody lives. It is astounding. The heavens declare the glory, the power, the majesty of God. And the firmament, by the way, heavens and firmament are synonyms. Sounds like it ought to be the sky and the earth, but it's not. The firmament separated from the waters above the earth from the waters beneath the earth. No scientist can ever get back to that point. The heavens declare the glory of God. And how did it all happen? God spoke it into existence. Let there be, God said, and there was. And when it says, and he saw that it was good, it means he, everything came out. 
How about that for language like we use? Everything came out just like I wanted it to. Everything happened exactly the way I wanted it to happen. This is how I wanted it to look, and it looks like that. Beautiful language. We always have to put the things of God in language we can understand and and, uh, get connect with. We just have to do that. No other way to do it. God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke it into existence. One of the commentaries I read this week, getting ready for this, said, when God speaks, something happens. And that's what it did then. God spoke, and it happened. But do you know what? You know the zenith of creation? Genesis 1-1 kind of is a summary of everything. God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But beginning in verse 3, then we start going through the days and the creation and God speaking everything into existence. And it doesn't really go from least to greatest, but sometimes you think that way. Let there be light and there was light without the sun and without the moon. God is the creator of light. God is light. In the book of Revelation, there will be a day in which there will be light without the sun. So God is working and he's continuing to work. And if you're sitting there and saying, how can that be? Well, it can be because of God, the creator, the one behind everything who brought everything in to existence. But the zenith of all this is the creation of you and me. I remember, uh, you know, we wonder, how, how do we grow? How did we come to be? Sometimes we will, sometimes we'll ask a kid, how did you get this tall? I, 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 met a, uh, I met a family out front today, and the boy, towering over me, 13 years old, you, you want to say, how did you get this, how did you get this tall? How'd that happen? I I read of a grandmother holding the kid on her lap and grandchild on her lap and said, how did you get so big? And the child looked in her face and he said, Grandma, do you, don't you know things about cell division? (laughs) Well, how did we happen? We're created in the image and likeness of God. Not the animals, not the earth not the plants. We're created in the image and likeness of God and not in the physical sense because God is spirit, but in the spiritual sense. Why, why do we talk about being spiritual? Why do, we, why do even people who are not Christian say, I'm a spiritual person? Well, I think within us, there's that desire. God is spirit, and he wants us to know him. And he creates us in his image so that we can know him and that we can be like him. That's what he desires. We're created in the image and likeness of God. And I would put it in this way. We're created for a purpose. We're created for the purpose of knowing God, to live in fellowship with him. This is what God wants. 
And here's the way I put it. Sometimes we think, well, God needs me. But God doesn't need me. He doesn't need, need me up here. God doesn't need you out there. God doesn't need whatever you do. Now, that sounds negative, but it's not negative. Here's the positive part. It's not that God needs us. It's that God wants us. That he wants to know us and that he wants to live. He wants us to live in relationship with him and that he wants us to live in fellowship with him. Again, if you put this in the language we all understand, he wants to be our friend. And he wants you to be his friend. But he also wants you to be more than a friend. He wants you to be his child, redeemed by the blood given by his son on the cross for you. He wants you to know him as loving heavenly father. You have been created in the image and likeness of God to have relationship and fellowship with the God of the universe who knows us all, who knows our DNA, who knows how we're made, who knows what everybody is going through right now, who cares for you and wants you to pray and call upon him and spend time with him. We were created in the image and likeness of God. There's a third thing here about who we are and how we got here and how we fit. And it is that we were created for God's purpose. So we can say this. When I was a teenager, we used to have this little saying. It said that God has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, I want to repeat that. God has a wonderful purpose for your life. He wants you to live in fellowship with him. He wants you to serve him. He wants you to make a difference in the world. You're not here just to, to live for 70 or 80 or 90 years, and then you can look back and say, I did all of these things, and I made all of this money, and I took all of these trips, and I had all of these things. What in the world is that worth? Even now, but certainly when eternity comes. God has a purpose. He wants you to do his work in his way. God wants you to look at everybody around you and see them as a creature created in the image and likeness of God. That this one and this one and this one and this one, that they are all the children of God, that they all belong to him, and that God loves every one of them like he loves me. Sometimes we have the problem because we don't feel very loved, and we have difficulty because maybe the family we came from, maybe they had struggles and they passed them along to us. And so sometimes we have difficulty understanding that God could love me 
And then we have difficulty understanding that God can love all the people of the world who may not look or sound or act like me. But God wants us to see that, that we're passing Him along, that we're making Him known as we care for other people. So boys and girls, treat other people the way you want to be treated. Treat your friends as you want them to treat you. Love them like God loves you. And share the goodness and the grace of God to your friends and the people who are around you because God created all of us for a purpose. He created us to, to please and serve God. He created us, and, and look at the things that are given in here. And man, listen, everything in Genesis chapter 1 to the world is controversial. Everything here. God creating is controversial. God speaking is controversial. God created and how he did it is controversial. You know what else is controversial? He made the male and female. Good grief. It's controversial. Made the male and female. Created us in the image of God according to his likeness. You, what else is controversial? He gave to the man and the woman, to human beings. He gave them the responsibility of, of caring for the earth. And there are two ways this gets, and and. The people over here get mad at the people over here and vice versa. But there are two things that are said here. The first one is that we have a responsibility to, to use the earth in ways that please God and that are good for human beings. Everything we do should please God. And it should be good for human beings. You can't read this without thinking that way. I've given you dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and everything that moves along the face of the ground. And so over here, you got this group of people who are emphasizing that. Now over here, you got this group of people who are saying, but this is God's world. Well, those aren't opposites. They fit together. It is God's world. And we should treat it like God's world, and we should use it as he has given it to us. And we're called to use this to serve God and to be a blessing to other people. Look, look at verse 28, God blessed them, told them to multiply. This is before sin comes into the world. Told them to multiply. When we look next week at Genesis chapter 2, instead of looking at the world from a 35,000 foot range, looking out into all of space, created the heavens and the earth and all that is within it, we get next week and we're going, many of you are seated with your family today. What are we going to do? We're going to put your family around the kitchen table when it's time to eat and everybody's laughing and everybody's enjoying the time together. And we're going to look at it from that little family of yours because that's the way God looks at it. 
And we're going to learn that God gave Adam a work to do, to till and keep the ground and to do it for him. That's before sin entered into the world. That he gave the man and the woman and he told them, he blessed them and he told them to multiply and to fill the earth. That's before sin enters into the world. God did all of this to make us his people and to please him. The fifth thing I want you to know is we are continually and constantly sustained by the care of God for us. I love 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. I was telling our men's group Tuesday morning, here's a verse. Here's a verse to memorize. We all need to be memorizing Scripture. Eleven words. Martha told me a few minutes ago she heard the sermon and said she lost me for a few minutes because she is counting. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. But it's something we all can learn. But we, it's more than just memorizing it. We need to live that way. There's a God in heaven who knows me and loves me and cares for me. And I can depend on him. I also love Acts 17, 28. Paul went to Athens, the intellectual capital of the ancient world. The people of Athens were so proud of themselves. They were glad to be known as philosophers and intellectuals. And anytime somebody new came, they would go to, to Mars Hill. Mars Hill was kind of the free speech alley of their day. And so anybody could go there and say whatever they wanted to say. And Paul wanted to talk about God. He wanted to talk about not the Greek gods. They had their pantheon. The Romans had their pantheon. Zeus and, and Venus and Aphrodite and all the others. But Paul wanted to talk about the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Here's what Paul said. In him we live and move and have our being. We are special objects of divine love. We were created in him and for him. We belong to him. And he cares for you, And he cared for you so much that he gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for you individually and for the world collectively. And he wants you to know him, and he wants you to live in his sphere so that he can guide you and help you and bless you and encourage you and strengthen you and spend time with you. That's what God wants. And he wants you to know him and he wants you to live with him forever. We say that so often, maybe it just kind of goes out over our head. God wants to know me and God wants to live me to live with him forever. God wants to call me his child. God wants to hug me like a grandfather hugs me and loves me and cares for me. God wants that for me. Absolutely. 
And I promise you, you don't know and I don't know the half of what God feels for you and what he wants for you. So here's what I want to ask you to do. It's the big ask, not for money, but I want to ask. I want to ask you to open your heart to God. God, you created me. I, I, it's become clear. You created me. This world is a lot bigger than I am or a scientist is or anybody's understanding. This world is so big. No theologian can even see the, the, the vastness of who you are and what you have done. But I want to know you and I want to, I want to receive what you created me to see, receive. And so I give myself unto you. There there are believers who need to say to God, God, I've been doing things on my own, and it is time for me to start doing them your way. I want to ask you, walk to the front, talk with the counselor, pray with the counselor. They're trained to help you. And let this be your time of commitment or recommitment unto God. Let's stand together, please. I'm going to pray. As soon as my prayer is over, then it'll be time for you to come and make your decision. God, we thank you for what you did for us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you that you created us and that you know us and love us. God, help us now. Please speak to our hearts. Draw people to yourself that they might know you and live with you forever. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.